and gentlemen, and welcome to a very special edition of the Leaderboard Interviews here at Geeks Who Like Sports. As always, I'm Ray Carcillo in beautiful Los Angeles, California, to my rest for the entire world over in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, Lee Elias. And we have two very special guests today. First off, you may know him as a member of the Toronto Blue Jays, made his Major League debut last year, hit his first home run against the Detroit Tigers, Kevin Smith. And we also have here Brian Fanzo, a professional speaker. He's also, of course, the host of the NFT 365 podcast. Every day, he is dropping a podcast with knowledge about NFTs in the crypto space. He is he is blowing us out of the water. We're going to do one show a week, maybe two. This guy every day. Guys, thank you so much for coming to the show. We really, really appreciate it. How are you doing today? Good, man. Thanks for having me. I know uh, I'm excited to be on the same same podcast and same show as Fanzo, so I appreciate it, Lee. Thanks for sending this up, man. It's been so fun to get to know you guys, and Ray, I'm excited for uh, for the show. Yeah, excited to be here, guys. This will be a lot of fun, and you know, for me, I've hit no home runs against anyone, right? So for me, the, uh, <laughs> Kevin, you know, Kevin, we can officially say that Kevin has more home runs against Major League pitching than everybody here on this combined. podcast. There we combined. go. Combined, but yes. but but you know, Fanzo, you hit a home run with your podcast, and, and as we always say, if you can't beat them. That, bring them yeah, on your do podcast. Some, that's, do something that's different and bring them on your podcast or team up with them <laughs> in a, on a project, right? That, there you go. Yeah, either cool. way, you win. No, but we're all <laughs> colleagues here, it works out. Yes. So, so Fanzo, you mentioned that you're, you're, we'll get it right off at the bat. You're working with Kevin on something that's really cool. It's called Meta Athlete, uh, which is about you're teaming with athletes and, and working in the NFT space. Uh, tell us a little bit what, what that is about, how you guys got together and what that is. Because uh, especially for our audience where we don't really usually cover a lot of NFTs. So maybe give them a, a base level overview of what that is. Kevin, Kevin, I'll let you jump in on the project. Why don't you jump on the project and I'll jump on the, on the backside of it. So yeah, talk, you go, go first. Yeah, for sure. No, um, I was I was looking to launch my own NFT project actually a year ago. Uh, the co-founder Drew, who is actually helping uh, Fanzo with his podcast as well, uh, he's been doing a lot of content creation for me, just just helping me out, um, getting to know my fans, giving back to my fans and my community as much as I can, whether it's with content, whether it's with giveaways, uh, different stuff for charities or foundations. So. Um, Drew's been doing that for me for about two or three years. We, we linked up just online um, and got to got to create a good good relationship. And then um, he kind of brought me into this NFT space. And so I didn't really know what it was about a year ago. Um, Drew was researching it a bunch and saying, hey, this is like an opportunity for you to kind of reach out to some fans. You can connect it to charities. You can, you know, do some really cool stuff and, and, and add some value into your fans' life. And then and doing some stuff like that. And so I said, this sounds interesting. We started doing some research on it. We, we almost dropped our own project and then we had a bunch of athletes kind of reaching out and saying, you know, this is so cool. I want to get into this space. I don't know much about it. Kind of like what you're talking about right now, right? Like I've heard about NFTs. I, I know like the bare minimum of what they are or what I think they are. Can you help us out? And, and, and can you get us into the space? And so, you know, when we started getting all these inquiries and, in, you know, we really shifted our focus from, okay, let's not just deliver one project for myself. Like let's create this whole community where other athletes can come in, gain value, you know, gain education, educate their fan base on, it, and then ultimately, you know, use our resources and, and use the people that we know, such as Fanzo to, to launch their own projects and to do more good. And so, you know, I went from this, this project of just creating the, the digital trading card of Kevin Smith, which could have like benefits as, as far as like game tickets, memorabilia, um, supporting charities that I like, supporting charities that my fans like, um, giving them, you know, access to me or access to games or access to content behind the scenes. And really, you know, it's spread to let's just do this for the whole athlete community. Let's set like a whole community up where athletes can come in and do this for themselves. So it's not only me, but, you know, multiple other athletes that could come in year over year for 5, 10, 20, you know, 50 years from now. Um, and really, you know, use this technology to help their fan bases. So that's kind of, you know, where it started, where it's going. 
Um, and I'll kind of let, let fans will talk about, you know, what NFTs are exactly and kind of how we're using that technology to kind of help fans and, and athletes interact. Yeah. And I'll just say, you know, the, the underlying goal of meta athletes is if we get every athlete to be as well dialed in as Kevin is on the space, we would be set to go. Right. I, I think as a, as a founder, as someone that's pioneering it, Kevin's uh, ability to be all in, you know, fully immersed in, you know, podcasts and Twitter spaces, you know, in the art, uh, you know, everything aspect of it. And, you know, for me, you know, I'm, you know, I'm an early adopter on pretty much everything. Uh, I like to kind of just kind of play on that like bleeding edge. I think I have an addiction to like wasting my time on something on platforms that most people have never heard of. Like I was really good at a lot of things and uh, you know, everything from like Google plus to live streaming on Meerkat. And uh, for me, like, you know, the NFTs, you know, I've been, the, you know, did launch the podcast, but for me, a lot of like this uh, web three world, you know, I've been talking blockchain, which is the, like really the, it's the technology that powers all of this. Uh, since 2014, but I wasn't really like a finance guy uh, or like a stock trader. So the idea of like cryptocurrency as a whole was like, oh, okay, I'll put some stuff there and, and I won't really care. Um, but it, having kind of like being awoke to like what NFTs represent and like the possibility to me, it was like this new intersection of where we can really change what, you know, a fan club looks like, change what membership looks like and shift kind of the ownership member. And, and I think what Kevin was talking about, like, you know, him doing kind of his own like giving back to the fans, you know, as Kevin keeps crushing it, right. You know, from one home run. So next time you have on the podcast and it's multiple home runs as the, you know, you know, in, against how many, you know, multi home run games. And as you know, Kevin, you know, becomes more famous and more popular and his brand grows, those that would be buying in on that NFT from the start would be growing with him. Right. And it's, it's right. a, a much different play than your traditional, like, Hey, I'm buying something as a passive income, um, from a sports fan or from you know, whatever it, it may be. And, and so when I heard about meta athletes, like for me, the, the thing that's beautiful about the meta athletes concept is it is truly a way to build, you know, an incubator if, if for a better you know, term for all future athlete, you know, NFT launches, which, you know, NFTs for an athlete can be everything for your charity, for their fans. It can be a collaborative effort with, you know, a spouse or family member or local, uh, you know, local city that they're, you know, a part of. And all of those things, like the idea of like, what does it take to build the, the you know, do the art? What does it take to, you know, create a smart contract? All of these things that are components within NFTs, it's a nightmare to learn, really. I mean, the reason that I, you know, I, I started a daily podcast, and it might sound like it was like, man, this guy is just like addicted. It was like, uh, there's no way I'm going to keep up with what this space is unless I did something daily. Like that was literally my words back and was like, and Drew, who we mentioned before, he was like, well, you should do a daily podcast. And, and I laughed and I was like, dude, I have ADHD. I've had many podcasts. I couldn't even give the time of my podcast on a weekly basis. I would tell people it's Tuesday, but I have no idea what time is going to be Tuesday because I'm not consistent. Like that's literally been my brand uh, for my entire career. And uh, he kind of pushed back on it. And I said, okay, why not? Let's do it. And so we've done the, you know, the daily podcast now. And, you know, I've probably been, you know, inundated with about a hundred projects that have asked me to kind of uh, come on, you know, partner align with. And, and so far I've picked one and uh, it's meta athletes. And I think for me, that's just part of the, the essence of like, I want to team up with, you know, great founders, but also like great missions and great teams, you know, and, uh, you know, being able to team up with someone like Lee and, and so many people that this project has brought in. And, and for me, 
for an athlete, like all of us that would have dreamed to be there, like I played college hockey, but there was no mistaking that that was not going anything further than literally college hockey. Like there, there, there was never like, oh, one day I'll make it to the NHL. At, at one point, actually, I thought I had a, a major league baseball chance because I, I got recruited by Arizona State my my sophomore year in high school as a catcher. And I was like, oh, that's, no that's joke. If you don't know baseball, that's no joke. I mean, it, it, and it was. And, and I will say like yeah. the inside is. The guy I was catching for the pitcher um, there, he did get recruited and went there to play uh, at ASU. Uh, but he was a senior, I was a sophomore, and and that was me like the, my like my in uh, three knee surgeries uh, that that off season ended the, that kind of my career. Um, but I think like from a standpoint of like when I look at like NFTs and I look at what this all means, like the fact that you know an athlete who's kind of where we all would have loved to be is not only taking this opportunity to dive into something new on a tech on a space, but then to take it back and like in a very selfless way of like, what can I do to help like my entire like space? Like to me, and I've said this you know many times now, I believe what Meta Athletes is creating is the benchmark that every industry will have a Meta Athletes version of that because that will be how these industries kind of launch into NFTs. And so that's why I'm part of this team. You know, fans, I've been thinking a lot of like metaphors lately of how to try and describe the space and what what we're all doing. And it's, you know, it's funny. I thought of like a big steamboat, right? I didn't want to use the Titanic because that doesn't have a good ending, not a good metaphor, <laughs> but I did want to use it's a boat like the Titanic, that. right? Right. No, it's not the Titanic, but, but the way I look at it is this. And, and, and I think this is a, Ray, you can tell me if this makes sense mm. on the top of the boat is all the money and all the people that are just throwing money around. They don't know what they're doing. They're eating dinner. They're crazy. Oh, this is fun. But beneath the boat, there's people throwing coal in the fire. That's you two, Right. Because you're going to get the boat where it needs to go and back and forth and back and forth. The passengers are going to get off. That's very much the NFT space to me right now. You got a lot of people throwing money around and it seems like a crazy space from the outside, but there are people like you two putting in the work and putting in the time to make sure that that, that ship is going to get to where it goes. Now, I'm going to go back and forth here for a second. You know, so Kevin, Kevin, this is absolutely your geek side of things is this NFT space. Uh, not to mention you have a very geek name. I hope you know that. Uh, especially if you're from New Jersey, right? You're, you're from New York, maybe Kevin Smith, the actor and the director. And then um, Fanzo, I, I got to say this to our audience because I don't think people understand what putting on a podcast every single day, like the kind of undertaking this is. I, I, Kevin will and Ray will. Kevin, you understand as an athlete, there's going to be mornings that Fanzo wakes up, doesn't want to do it. There's going to be weeks, doesn't want to do it. There's going to be days, there's maybe not enough information. That one's unlikely. But my point is to do this every day is an unbelievable endurance test and undertaking. And the results are kind of already in. I mean, you're top 40 podcast in technology in every country that has podcast ranking. So I just want to first off say that's unbelievable. Uh, and, and again, I love the idea that you're like, I don't know if I want to do that, but you did it. I, I just find that fascinating as a podcaster that you're able to, to endure that. Uh, it's got to be painful at times, man. Well, the, the true test was yesterday, actually, because um, I think everyone knows, like, you know, as, you know, as athletes, as geeks, like when you're when you love something, you can kind of turn it on. But I recorded 48 minutes of fire yesterday <laughs> with the <laughs> microphone muted. Oh, oh. oh. Yeah. yeah. Oh, man. And I'm talking fire. And it was my oldest daughter's oh, birthday. No. I had a one hour window to record it. And I didn't recognize it until I moved it over to the, the actual, you know, to edit. And I was like where's the bars? Like, why is this thing taking forever? Oh, to load? No. 
And I like look to the left and there's like a bright red button that's over there and it's, and it's, it's on. And I was like, and my daughters were here in the morning and I was like, oh my gosh, I just, and I had a video and I was like fired up. And so I had to leave to go to my daughter's, it was my oldest daughter. We're taking her to, you know, steakhouse. We did the whole birthday thing and I got back and like, that was like the, you know, it was episode 74, but it was like that test of right. not only like, Hey, I got to turn it back on. And I know myself enough to know, like, I couldn't do the same episode, right. Because like the second recording of any same time, I was like, right. I, so then right. I was like, right. I need a second topic. It's now nine 45. I was up at four 45 AM cooking eggs and bacon for my daughter for her birthday. Cause we do breakfast in bed. And it was like that moment of, all right, what's the topic. I looked at my like shot list of like, I picked my very favorite topic. Cause I was like, I'm going to go to that, like that. Need well, that. Of, like I need to like I'd tap it in and I hammered it out. And like, to me, like that was like that, like test of like, you know, the more it's like the injury or the, or like the back-to-back games where you're like, I love this sport at one point, but like <laughs> right now putting on this yeah. like half wet equipment and getting back on the ice was like, that was like, but yes, yeah, like I appreciate the, uh, the comment and, uh, I can honestly say, you know, November 6th, we came up with the idea. November 11th, we launched. Wow. And wow. if wow. we would have launched a week later, I would have talked myself out of it. So I, I, I it, that, that's the part of it. That's like I, probably I, I, do, I do have some back. I do have some background story to that because um, when Fanzone and Drew were in New York City, I think they're on the train. You're on the train, right? Coming back from New yep. York City when, when Drew kind of launched the idea. And we were, so November 6th, so we were like right in the middle of, the first time we were creating art, like Drew was, we were like all super involved with it and figuring out the assets and like how it was going to look and what we're going to do. This was our first of seven different times that we changed art, by the way. So it's not, it's not what it is now, but we were texting like nonstop. Like this was still early stage of like art development where everyone's throwing ideas and stuff. And I remember Drew saying like, I think I got, I think I have fans. I think I got him to do a a daily podcast. And I was like, (laughs) sounds like Drew. I was like, dude, you just ruined this guy's life, man. Do you know how much, you know how much work that is? Like, like I'd, I've never, I've never done a podcast, obviously, but anyone that's trying to do anything, just simple as like taking a cold shower every day, like you understand anything right. that you, anything every single day, man. It gets no matter how much you love it, and day one or day twenty, like at some point, it's gonna get, it's gonna get. No, you know, it's a marathon. It's a yeah, complete marathon. marathon. Yep. And, and so I when he said that, I was like, if he can do that, if he can do that every day, I'm like, that's gonna be one of the top. It's gonna be one of the top podcasts in like 2022. Like, like, but hands down, if you can do it every single day. Just, well, you're you're gonna be the expert. You're gonna now, be the now he expert. is, which which is awesome. Yeah. But kudos to you, Fanzo, for actually deploying it. I mean, you could have done it for ten days and stopped you know, you don't know what's going to happen, but the fact that you can do that every single day and you guys know better than me because you guys actually do podcasts, like that's got to be a crazy amount of work. I mean, I know we talk about a lot of fans, so I kind of know the background, but just to think of just recording, just recording a podcast every day, let alone doing all the editing and everything like that. Like that's just crazy. Well, you think about the demeanor too. Like, like, like I've sat down in the chair pissed off before it's like you gotta be like okay here we go (laughs) i usually sit in the chair pissed off yeah it's you just gotta power through it so but i mean it's the same thing like i do a nightly twitch stream and it's the same thing it's like you just gotta keep on going and sometimes you know it's the same it just you just you gotta find the energy you gotta try and and put your 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 smile on and find a topic or find a game or whatever it is and, and power on through so the fact you know kudos to you dude again yeah like to do it on it as a podcast that's why we and Lee, we do usually two hours for like we do one two-hour podcast a week because that would be better than doing 
seven half hour episodes because by the end we'd probably be at each well, other's throats. Unless we were getting paid. If we got paid, we'd do it. I mean, I'm well, I mean, if we were, I mean, yeah. I mean, <laughs> if there's any potential sponsors out there, anybody listening. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and we should talk about the infamous Geeks Like Sports episode zero. So, so Fazo, you were yes. saying it's the very first episode we did. And this was like, we had never done podcasting before, right? Like oh. I, we were returning on QuickTime or something, did a whole episode, no audio. Oh. <laughs> just didn't, didn't exist. Yeah. So we, we call that episode zero. And we yeah. talk about it. you're not that was our anything. dry run that was right. our test like you know we got something here we'll be we sure but i think in in the end actually in that case it worked out for us i think episode one was that much better because Probably. we had that yeah episode zero but yeah the lost episode the literally, literally lost episode <laughs> yeah. of geeks who like we'll, sports we'll, we'll put that on nft one day we'll make yes <laughs> uh so the, but, the, the the title of the show is geeks who like sports right yes. right if you want to transition because because we got to be talking sports with these two for those of you listening to the mm-hmm. podcast not watching my friend Fanzo here is decked out in yes. arch arch nemesis <laughs> gear, Pittsburgh yes. stuff all over the place there. But go go ahead, Ray. <laughs> no, well the thing the thing is before we get into that, I do. Then we are gonna. Oh my god, even the Steelers slippers. Um, <laughs> there are a couple of things about NFTs I want to talk to you oh, about. Please, yes, go ahead, Ray. Because this, I I am a newbie to this space, and I'm not really in this space at all, and I'm really trying to to, to learn and trying to get into it. But like you mentioned, like you you there's but you've been fans of in particular, you've been approached by hundreds of projects, but this was the one that you chose. And there is, it's hard. It's like the wild west out there. It's like 99 of the stuff out there just doesn't sound viable or doesn't make sense you know how how what do you think goes into a successful nft and like really kind of getting people on board and like kind of convincing people that yes the web web 3.0 is where we're going because a lot of the stuff out there kind of sounds like a, a lot of bs well i i i mean i i couldn't agree more uh, and i will say you are in the space because i will tell you the Twitch world, the gaming world is is crushing and has yet to even really launch into NFTs, right? And and, yeah. and like the creator coin community, I you know, I have a, a coin as well, which is kind of another segment. And like the three of my favorite coin uh, support that I support are actually all three of them are Twitch streamers. So like I'm I'm very like you know pro in that world. And you know, we did mention I do a podcast every day. I also decided to do something else that was crazy with the podcast, and and that's buying an NFT every day for yeah, the it is crazy. Well, that's crazy. It wasn't crazy enough to do the podcast. I decided, and, and weirdly, when I said when I threw that on and said, "Well, I'll just buy an NFT every day," that to me was the part that I thought was the easy part. I was like, "Podcast is going to kill me." The buying the NFT every day is killing me. Like I, I will tell you, like when we're done recording this. There is two hours of research that I will be putting in for like a two hour block of trying to figure out what, what I'm going to buy in two days from now because I don't, I don't have that out yet. Um, and I think that, like, that's part of it, right? I think the beauty of NFT space at the moment is you can really create an NFT and build an NFT around anything. The reason it's the NFT space is chaotic and ridiculous is because, well, you can build an NFT around just about anything. Right? Like <laughs> you, can, you can build it around complete fraud and, and nothing underneath it, or you can build it as dynamic of a, a contract that, you know, it enables pop-up events and merchandise and can reward people for listening to a podcast or attending an event, or you can bring in like, you know, collaboration. It can add access to a virtual event. It can give you merchandise and swag. Like there's all of these like, um, layers. And I will say like, you know, I, I think it's a lot of, it's just, I mean, a lot of my research because I'm holding these. So the NFTs that we're buying, we're, we're holding for an entire year. I'm really holding like researching to say, what's the longevity of this project? Like the, are the founders, are they, are they committed to it? Are the founders understanding like how to run a team? Because a lot of these projects they're, they're selling out in you know, a day, a couple of days. 
and they have like an influx of cash, three to $12 million. And now you're like, you have all of these owners that are like, give me what you promised me. And a lot of the early projects, those people had never managed a team, never deployed a budget or a startup or had like an understanding of that. And so the, the beauty of it is the summer of 2021 um, is no longer here, right? That when people talk about a lot of the, the trends and things, that was that summer that was just kind of like anyone could pop up anything. And if you did, you made a lot of money and you could be still around delivering on it, or you might've just, you know, taken the money, hung out for a little bit and, and dipped out. Now we're in a different space. Now we're in a different place where it's not only real money uh, in, in many facets, but people have expectations now at, at a greater level, which I think is a good thing, but it also puts pressure on, on people like Kevin. And as he said, like, you know, eight versions of the art. And I will tell you like Kevin's commitment to the, the details of the art and like the aspects of like the smart contract and we have security aspects, right? Because this whole world is beautiful because you don't have to trust any entity to protect us. But the bad part about that is we can't blame any entity when our stuff is stolen or we screw up and click the wrong button. And so with that becomes a lot of extra pressure on projects not to, you know, expose those type of things. And so, we, you know, for me, like that's the, re the research is like trusting the founders, believing that they can execute on what they're promising, loving the art, right? The art, we can't mistake the art element. And some of the projects, just to clarify always, some of the projects are just art. And, I, and we have to like empower and support that because like forcing great artists to also add utility is like the, is like the counterpoint of what this is all about. Right. Like, and so like, that's part of it too. Like if there's a great piece of art, like I, I own a bunch that is just the art. There's no um, like community. It doesn't unlock anything. It's, it's a beautiful piece of digital art that I am very proud to own. But then there's like the flip side of what meta, meta athletes kind of represents. And, and for me, like even, you know, the very first time Kevin and I were, were talking and, and, and Drew had already vouched for him. And, you know, all of us that know Drew, um, Drew is just like, he's just a really great judge of character and someone that like, He's, he's a beautiful leader and that he doesn't need to be out front to be leading. He's great at leading wherever he kind of sits. And he didn't sell me on Kevin, which I knew was like a value add, right? Because when someone has to sell you on someone, you're like, oh, oh. He, he wasn't sure what I was going to think, right? It was, it was a very much like, you do your research, get to know him, you're going to be a fan. And I, it was instantly. And, and I think anyone that can you know, hear Kevin talk about the project, the commitment to the project, and even some of the most recent decisions with the project, it's a beautiful thing. And I, and I think the NFTs, you know, from the outside in, it unlocks an access to community unlike anything we've ever seen. And that to me is like the most beautiful aspect of it, but it does take a lot of research to kind of figure out who, what, where, and even like, why do you want, like, do you want to spend time in a discord? Like if you don't like buying an NFT that gives you extra time in a discord to me, doesn't sound productive yet. People do that. And they're like, this NFT was worthless. And you're like, you bought something that you weren't even willing to be committed to. So, uh, and anyone that's a fan of a team, I will say that's another part of this that's beautiful. Like, I mean, I'm born and raised in Pittsburgh and everyone says Pittsburgh fans travel you know, the best because we do. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but it's also because we all left the city because for a while, nobody wanted to live there, my family included. Uh, so that's why we're all everywhere because we all had to get out of Dodge and, and now Pittsburgh's pretty great. But like my daughters love it. Like I, you know, I'm, I'm decked out today as if I were for the, the, the show, like no offense guys, but this is literally my outfit every day is I literally have black and gold and everything. And, and like my daughters always laugh, like, daddy, you always give high fives. You know, people say, here we go. And I'll just give a high five in the airport or wherever. And I'm like, they're, they're Yinzers, they're Pittsburghers. Like we're, we're, we're good. And like that part of like NFTs is what I feel is, is being created, right? Like when I see someone that has the same NFT as me, it is the same as that high five and commitment to what I have to a sports team. And I, and I, I think for everyone here, that's like, that's the best sales pitch I could get. Wow. 
It's great. I mean, it, yeah, I mean, it makes sense to me. I mean, yeah, because that's the thing is, like you said, perfect example was that Discord thing where, yeah, if you're buying something that gives you a reward that you would never use anyway, well, then obviously you're losing out on value. But you mentioned gamers, which I think is a big deal because I know I'm very deep in the gaming space. As Lee mentioned as, uh, earlier, I've been, uh, you know, reviews and previews editor for Electronic Gaming Monthly. I work at a video game company right now. There has been a lot of pushback at least in the early going from the general gaming community. And I think it's just a, a matter of not understanding NFTs and crypto in the space. How do you get over overcome? How do you guys overcome that barrier potentially for people who are just kind of digging their heels in because it's something new and they're kind of not sure what it is. And especially with gamers, you know, they've been burned over years from DLC and, and microtransactions and things. And I think that there, there's still some of those memories still lurking in their, in their minds. How do you guys overcome possibly a, a, someone who's reluctant to get into this space, considering that it is most 99.9% where we are going to be going in the future. You listen to NFT three, six, five, the podcast by, by, <laughs> no, no jo joking aside. It, 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 and I'm going to let you guys answer, but really it, my opinion is about education, but go ahead. I love to hear Kevin's take on this, Kevin, just from a, cause you, I mean, athletes is athletes and gamers coming at it from like, Hey, we have, you know, we, we understand the space is coming. Some of them are already investing money there, but you have to talk them through it. I, yeah. Kevin, I'd love to hear your take on that. Yeah, man. I think it's, it's mostly just education, right? Like, when I think of NFT, I just think of digital ownership. So, you know, just putting it very, very simply, like if you own an NFT, you own something, right? Whether that's just art, whether it's some sort of like digital membership card, whether it's like a online ticket to a real life event, whether that's a online event or a digital event, whatever that NFT gives you access to, you own that. So whenever I kind of explain NFTs to people, I'm like, when you own that NFT, like you own something, you have to figure out what you own, right? So like, in, in real life, if you have something sitting in your house, like you own that item, if, if it's an NFT, you just own it online. Um, when you buy a, a ticket to a concert and it's all digital and you go on Ticketmaster and you buy it and you show up and you scan your phone, like you never ha really had that ticket, right? Like it was never, it never came to you. You never brought it with you. It was on your phone the whole time. Yet you, you still said that you had the ticket. They still let you in the door, right? When I think of NFTs, that's what I think about. So when you're buying an NFT, you have to know, okay, I'm buying this NFT. Like, what am I getting out of it? If it's just art and you know it's just art, like, that's completely fine. I mean, there's a, what, $13 billion a year uh, real life um, art industry right now. And it's just shifting into, into online, right? So imagine you don't have to keep the Mona Lisa in your house where if the house burns down, you lose the Mona Lisa. You could just have an NFT of the Mona Lisa and you own that thing and it can't burn down. No one can take it from you if your security is right. Um, there's a lot of things that kind of play into it, but when I think of NFT, it's just, it's just digital ownership, right? And then what that NFT gives you, obviously gives you the value component to it. So when you're buying a, a board Ape Yacht Club for $300,000 or $3 million and, and you're buying into that community, right? Like you, they don't have, you're buying the art, yes, but you're not just buying it for the art. You're buying it for everybody else that's in that community. You're buying it maybe to go to parties that they throw at Super Bowls or at in New York City or in Miami, Right? Like people use it as networking opportunities. Like if you get to, if you have a board a yacht club and you go on to their discord and you might get to talk to Eminem for a few minutes, or you might get to talk to somebody else who has the NFT that, that you're really interested in getting to know. Right. And there's only 10,000 people that will ever be in that community. Right. So that's like kind of a cool thing about NFTs too, is like, however many NFTs are going to be made, that's, that's the max amount of people that can ever be in that community. And so as a networking effect kind of builds and you get more and more people wanting to get into this community and it becomes, you know, higher in value, you start to see kind of the community members start to get even better. Right. And so now all of a sudden it's like, okay, like now it makes sense maybe as a businessman or even as just as a company or a corporation 
to buy into one of these places and buy into one of these communities where not only can you use it as marketing, but now you're, you're in this circle of like really high worth, like net individuals. Right. And so you, when you're buying an NFT, you really just have to know what you're buying. And so when I'm talking to athletes about how they could use these NFTs, you know, for their own good and for their communities. And obviously it's probably the same for, for esports players, but it's really like creating almost like a super fan club of, of all your, your mo like most dedicated fans. Right. And so um, imagine you could take your top 5,000 or top thousand, or even just top 500 fans, you know, all over the world, and you could put them into one community and you could really just focus on giving as much value, whether you want to give them resources that you have in mental health or uh, coaching, or maybe your trainer, or maybe your food guy, or maybe your real estate agent, maybe your tax guy. And you want to give them the opportunity to talk to them on a daily or monthly or yearly basis. Maybe you want to give them access to memorabilia, or maybe you want to give them access to tickets, or maybe you want to give them access to, you know, some of your favorite concerts or give them, you know, access to your, your favorite artists or your music playlist, whatever it is, right? Like being able to dial in that fan base and be able to give them as much value as you can and thank them for not only supporting you, but as you get better, like Fanzo said, like as your opportunities and as your net worth grows, like that NFT is also going to grow. Your fans start to feel like as you level up, they're leveling up with you. And so like, to throw it back to like esports, like if you had somebody on Twitch who had an NFT and they only made a thousand of them when they first started out, right? And now all of a sudden they have a million followers and they have all these YouTube streamers and they stream on Twitch and they have 8,000 people watching them, but maybe only these specific people can do something in the Twitch stream, or maybe they can only see certain content, or maybe those are the only people that get to see your content for a week or a month before it comes out, or maybe those are the only people that can get entered into giveaways. They can come on and maybe, you know, you have only a thousand of them and every day you pick one different guy to come on and game with you for an hour, right? Like that's kind of where the NFT space can go. And, and so people can, well, buy, would really buy those NFTs to be a super fan and to get access that other people can't get. Right. And so you get to create a community of your most loyal and, and beneficial fans and be able to give them as much value and as much access as possible. And then, you know, our athletes are always just asking us like, you know, obviously it costs money to get into it. And so we tie a lot to foundations, to um, charities. And so these athletes now can have their super fans come in, support them early on in their career. And they can also use some of that money to benefit either their hometown, their favorite charities, their foundations that they start, um, maybe support even foundations that people in their community start, right? And so imagine buying into like your favorite athletes NFT, and then all of a sudden your favorite foundation or your charity that you're helping every Sunday your athlete puts $5,000, $10,000, $20,000 towards that charity. And so there's a lot of cool things like that happening in the NFT space right now. I think there's a lot of cool things that, that could be happening that aren't happening yet. Um, I think it's just a matter of understanding kind of how you can use these things, like what can actually be done with the NFTs. And I think, you know, as enough people start doing it the right way and using it in a way that can benefit a lot of people in like different charities, their hometowns, the towns that they play in, the sports teams that they represent, um, as people start to see like, wow, this is like really powerful as far as, you know, the community aspect of giving back, um, you're just going to start to see a huge influx of people being like, I want to do that too, for this group or that group or this charity or this hometown or this sports team. And so it'll be really cool to kind of see, you know, once people start to realize like the impact that you can have through them, um, where it goes from there. And also, <clears throat> go ahead. Okay. I was just gonna say, I was gonna throw in like, you know, I'm wearing, I, I was going to show my chair real quick, which I guess you can't even see it right now, but I have a game of Thrones gaming chair mm. it's the uh secret labs uh literally special edition and the reason i'm saying that is because you know part of the nft is also like the cliche like the, the ability to like 
amplify the values and the things you represent, right? And right now, if you think about it, you know, from a digital perspective, if you're a World of Warcraft, you know, a fan, and that's the, the, the game that you play, how do you kind of put that on display other than the fact that like, you know, that, you know, you, your friends couldn't find you for days upon days, and then they realize that you were stuck in the game uh, and living in, in that world. And, and I think the, the beauty here is for gamers, I think the, 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 for each per like each industry, I think Kevin dialed in perfectly, there's like kind of like that thing that unlocks. And I think for gaming, part of the thing that has to be rec recognized is gamers have been literally trained and programmed to be committed to the game as the as the controller and owner of everything right we've if you buy skins in a game it's stuck in the game right there's not like you can't like okay i'm going to sell all of the skins in this one or all of the the add-ons here because i'm no longer playing this game and i'm going to take that and move it somewhere else well like let's say kevin smith gets traded to the pittsburgh pirates all of a sudden i'm going to buy up all his nfts right because now he's like on my team but all of a sudden he gets traded across to the you know the city that is apparently in Pennsylvania, but we I was grew up. I was told it was in New York, which is Philadelphia, uh, and and all of a sudden I want to get rid of it, right? And I think the part from a gaming perspective that is so different than like a fan club or your traditional pieces is from your fans. It's like, hey, these are my super fans. But if you get burnt out or your life changes and you have to change your momentum, you don't lose the value. You can now sell this this like own digital ownership to another fan that can come in and support you. And like that, like that, like shared ownership of value is so different than a traditional fan club or traditional, like, you know, the Twitch super streamers, right? Where you're like, Hey, these are my super fans because they've, they've contributed the most. Well, all of a sudden that person's life's changed. They got, they have a baby in the house and they can no longer participate. All of that almost feels like a waste, right? Like they're like, well, that sucks. And even for the, the streamer itself is like, I just lost like my biggest fan. Imagine if that person's able to go make money on that and sell it to another fan who now is able to kind of come in at that level up perspective. Like this is really empowering ownership in a way. And that's why, like I said, the chair, like we, you, I buy this chair because not because it's comfy, like let's be real. It, like it's a statement, like I, it's a, it's a limited edition Game of Thrones gaming chair and it says something. And that's where NFTs from the art is really about. When you see a certain art piece, it says something about your values and kind of, you know, what you what you represent. Uh, I, I hope the chair is more comfortable than the last episode was. I'll say that. And, and, and the, the other thing I'll say too is like, you know, when I look at the space and, and Ray, this is actually to answer your question as well. There's three things I see, right? There's people that classic kind of geek quote, right? You always fear what you don't understand. That's a big part of it. Um, there's this FOMO aspect that I think people are scared of, which they should be. There, there's real problems with FOMO in the space. And then the last one is just that, um, you know, the NFT world <laughs> as a whole is brand new, right? And no one knows where it's going and they don't have a billion dollars in the quote unquote to invest. So Kevin, you, you brought up Bored Apes. It's, it's a great example, but I can see people like, I don't have millions of dollars. That's just for the rich. And here's the, here's the this is how I look at it. Um, and this is kind of how I invest in the space. Don't resist the space. The space is coming. It's a hundred percent coming. It's not a question of if, it's when. So what I tell people is you don't need a million dollars to learn about the space, but learn about the space because it's going to be mainstream very, very quickly. Uh, businesses will have to have a marketing strategy for this. Uh, collectors will have to have a strategy for this. And what I love about it, Ray, and, and this is why Meta Athletes is really appealing to me, is that Twitch, you brought up Twitch. Twitch owns your audience. Facebook owns your audience. They own your followers. We don't own them, right? Twitch could snap their fingers. Your audience is gone. Mm -hmm. What I love about the NFT space is you don't own your audience, you and your audience own that space together. So the value is built on whatever you put out. You're the captain of your own ship, using my analogy from earlier. 
All right. So if you're not putting out value or people lose interest, they leave, they move on. That's it. Um, Kevin, by the way, we'd love to have you on the Phillies. Franzo brought that up. We're, we're not in New York. We're, we're a great city. We are the number one most losing franchise of all time, but, but we would love to have you here. I have a lot of um, friends in, in Philly. So there you go. There you go. No, but I, I'm just saying that, that, that I love the aspect of you drive your own ship here. If there's value, it's great. And the other thing too, is we talked a little bit about the exclusivity of the space. One of the things I like about meta athletes is you don't have to own a token to be in the discord, right. Or the community. Like we're going to serve all community members. We're not shunning people away uh, once the mint is done, right? Because we got to build the value. We want you to want to be in in the know, but it's not just about okay, that's it. That's ten thousand. We're, we're we're done. You're not in. You're worthless to us. Like it just it's just a better space if it's done the right way. And Ray, just to affirm you, there are a lot of crooks in this space right now. A lot. All right. Um, these two gentlemen are not that. You got to say that. All right. But but educate again i'm not just saying this to plug plug you fans but he's doing a daily podcast and educating for free every day as he learns that is some gary v level shit all right that is unbelievable like i don't know many people that would just dive in every day and say here's everything i'm doing right i mean again you don't get that from athletes you don't get that from business people so I just think it's fantastic. Anyway, Ray, I'm sorry. I get excited about this topic because these two know. No, and, um, I mean, for yeah. sure. I mean, honestly, I, we could probably do a whole episode just on this space because it is fascinating. Maybe like one a day. It is. It is. I know. Yes, it's <laughs> one a day. I know. But for, for, for us, and, you know, we could, we could probably do another full episode. But right. going back to your earlier point, Lee, this is Geeks Who Like Sports. We do want to get into the sports <laughs> space. We have a Major League Baseball player here. Yeah, I, we should we talk could, about that. Yeah. We should <laughs> talk a little bit about some baseball, some stuff going on. Actually, today, for those of you who don't know, we're going to date the episode. Today is January 25th. We're recording it on the 25th, so this will probably air a week from today. But uh, just a couple hours ago, Baseball Hall of Fame, uh, the next class was announced. Uh, the only person to get in with 77.9% of the vote, he hit the 75% threshold, was David Ortiz, first bout Hall of Famer now. Congratulations to him. But of course, probably an even bigger story going around the Hall of Fame was guys like Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, Kurt Schilling. They are, this was their final year of eligibility. Schilling, of course, not connected to steroids, but was basically told off the BBWAA last year. And well, they obliged. They said, he, they, they, said, they basically said, he said, don't put me on your ballot in the 10th year. And so the writers were like, okay, bye-bye. And that's <laughs> it. But uh, I do want to get your guys' thoughts on um, Bonds and Clemens, and especially you, Kevin, like your, your thoughts. Obviously, you know, you're, you're a little younger than us, but you two probably grew, you grew up with watching these guys and whatnot, and then the steroid scandal happened and all this, and now they are, at least according to the writers, they're obviously there could be a veteran uh, committee vote uh, later on, but they are not Hall of Famers. I want to get your guys' thoughts on on today's Hall of Fame announcements. Let's start with you, Kevin. Well, listen, first of all, congrats to David Ortiz. I mean, he was probably one yes, of my favorite know. guys to watch growing up. I was a Yankees fan from New York, and Ortiz just absolutely embarrassed us a few times. So yep. uh, he was always fun to watch, man. He was uh, – I'm thankful that he's in the Hall of Fame, man. He's just so fun to even listen to now. Like, I think yep. his – how he kind of talks about baseball and the fun that he's bringing and – how much he's done for the DR, like a lot of stuff that he's done just, just isn't even talked about, um, especially in the DR. I mean, I, I was lucky enough to go over to the DR for about two weeks uh, back when I was drafted to go to the Blue Jays facility. And everyone talks about David Ortiz down there. Like he's a legend down there. And so the stuff that he's done just in the DR and kids down there and the communities down there is crazy. And then you see how he came over and just kind of dominated the game for what, 10, 20, 20 years. It was, uh, it was pretty incredible, but 
with that being said, I mean, Barry Bonds and, and Roger Clemens 100% deserve to be in the Hall of Fame. I mean, to have the home run leader and one of the best, probably the best hitter to ever play the game. And then, you know, Roger Clemens, I think, has the most Cy Young awards ever won by a pitcher. Um, to have those two guys not in the Hall of Fame, um, and I know the steroid allegations and stuff like that. Um, there's a lot of, I think, how, I would encourage everyone to read up on just kind of how that all went down. And everyone assumes that Barry Bonds was this big steroid user and that he, you know, failed drug test. I mean, the amount of people that come up to me and, and say that, and uh, it's just not kind of how it happened. I mean, he's never even failed a drug test before. And obviously now with David Ortiz getting into, has also been linked to steroids, just kind of mind boggling how, how you get him in there without getting Barry Bonds and, and Roger Clemens in there. But um, you know, my biggest takeaway is just when, when I talk to guys, I mean, I can't say names, but when I talk to, to players either on the field or in spring training or at any of these fan fests that we go to that were playing in that era, everyone was taking steroids. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't three guys. It wasn't 10 guys. It wasn't even 50 guys during that time that were taking something to get better, something that's illegal now. I mean, you can't really compare that game to the rules that we have now and say, oh, they're cheaters. That's why they were so good. I mean, everyone was doing it and they were still decades better than everybody else in the game. Right. So it's hard for me to see why those guys shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame. I think David Ortiz definitely does deserve to be in it. I'm not saying that he that he shouldn't be in it, but um, it's kind of hard to, to keep maybe the best pitcher and the best hitter ever out of the hall of fame when you when you say those words it's like okay then what are we actually building in cooperstown you know like is it right. is it who who the media liked the most is it you know who kind of kept their kept everything out of the media the best they could i mean it, it, it kind of gets you wondering but um congrats to, to ortiz i hope somehow we find a way to, to get those guys in there because i think they deserve it and rose yeah and that. rose and rose as yep. well and, yep. and i would say tell, like, you can't tell the story of the game without those guys no and you and like we are you know, as sports fans, we love the debate of like Kobe versus MJ, MJ versus Kareem. And they didn't play each other like well, MJ and Kobe did at different you know, points of their, their their height. And like the fact that we we can just recognize that the game was different in those years. And I will tell you, like my earliest sports memory that changed my life was a rain delay at Three Rivers Stadium and Barry Bonds picked me up. Uh, I was it was his second year as a pirate. And I was I was staying at the railing during during the delay. He picked me up, pulled put the ball down. Uh, I I believe I was like I can't remember the exact age. I have a picture of it that I was, I, it's like I mean. It, and he rolled the ball, autographed the ball to me, handed it to me. My my mom's holding me in this picture at the Three River Stadium, and it's literally my earliest memory. And could you to say I'm a like diehard Barry Bonds fan? Like I have eleven Barry Bonds jerseys, right? Like he went to San Francisco, and it was like. To me, it was like the first time I was like, wait, oh, I got I got to somehow root for a non black and gold team. And like and like my daughter, and I'm a big like also like proponent of like second chances. And we have to like recognize that, like to, to Kevin, I'm so glad you brought that point up of like, let's like research into like the era and the need to scapegoat. And like, I mean, I went to school the same four years as Michael Vick did. I went to Radford, which is 11 miles south of Virginia Tech. I didn't miss a single home game of Michael Vick. I grew up in a, a town away from him. I own two pit bulls. Uh, I am a huge Michael Vick fan because I also believe that the, the man was literally used as like a, a, a pin board of like, okay, we're going to make an example out of, you know, the biggest name that we can do. And I think when we look back at some of the, you know, like that era and we, we just recognize that what it was and to n- deny them into the hall of fame and, you know, and Pete Rose as well, it's such a place of, uh, you know, for me as a sports fan, it's such like a, it's like an essence of that, like part of the sports that my dad, like was like, he would talk about, but he was like, 
you know, it's a very hierarchy type game. And like, you have to make sure that the, you know, the writers and the owners, and you, you still have some of that in the NFL, like, you know, with like the, the disconnect between the multi-billionaires that have never played a sport, you know, trying to dictate things, but like Roger Clemens and, and Barry Bonds and Barry Bonds for me, like, I mean, my daughters know, like, you know, 24 is a jersey that is run through my house on a regular basis, like between Roberto Clemente, he was my all time favorite and, and Barry Bonds. And I just, I was really hoping that today with the news would go a different way and they kind of come to their uh, senses, but unfortunately, I guess not. I'm not going to get too critical of major league baseball and Cooperstown leadership out of uh, respect for you, Kevin, but I I will say uh, it's hypocritical as hell um, because the league was, they knew about it. It's just, it, it bugs me. It bugs me um, that we're having this conversation and um, yeah, those guys should be there. I, I, I've had enough time. And like, I was heartbroken when all that stuff happened. I was, I mean, when the home run race, I was heartbroken, but at the same time, you said second chances, Michael Vick. uh, And and again, look, there's no, there's no doing away with what he did. Uh, And I don't, I, I, I have a hard time with that. I'm a dog person. Right. But he's also probably done more for dogs after that than most people ever will in their entire lives. And that's the point you're trying to make fans is there's two sides of the coin with that sometimes. And uh, Roberto Clemente, we've had his son on our show, Roberto Clemente Jr., RJ, great nice. guy. Um, and, and my wife is from Puerto Rico. Um, you can find two things in every house in Puerto Rico, Jesus and Roberto Clemente in every <laughs> single house. It's incredible. <laughs> Go ahead, Ray. Sorry. But yeah, no, it, um, yeah, it, it's one of those things where I think that, to, to your point, at, at some point, I think a lot of times in sports, for, for whatever reason, um, and in society, a larger society, too, to a point, we don't want to allow people to redeem themselves. Yep. We don't want to allow people to find uh, redemption. And I think that waiting 10 years, they served a 10-year sentence. Right. This guy served a 10-year right. sentence um, in the delay of getting to the Hall of Fame. I mean, we even saw it, too. Now it's going to be interesting with Alex Rodriguez, who also still probably was still on his first year on the ballot. And he only got 30, I think it was 35% of the vote. And if it's going to be a question now, if he will be the first of those those big names that were linked right. to that era, uh, if he will get in. It, it's going to be interesting to see how baseball handles this or continues to mishandle this. Right. Um, well, but again, right, it also goes can, back to the, to right, the Rose I'll, thing that has, yeah. still hasn't been forgiven. Yeah, I'll, I'll say yeah, this. And I, I think this is grim, but I don't think those guys are going to get in until they pass. That That's just what I think. That When C-League left, I thought for sure he, he's going to let Rose in before he goes. And when that didn't happen, I was like, oh, man. That's just going to be yeah. bad. Go, Kevin, I'm sorry. I cut you off. No, yeah. I mean, the Pete Rose thing too, right? It's like, I always have that debate. If you're, I think, I think every athlete should be able to bet on their team to win. You yeah. know, I mean, you right. see, yeah. you see Floyd Mayweather, he makes more money off betting on himself and winning in Vegas than he does on winning the fight, you know? And yeah. I, I don't see, I don't see the negative if you, had a world series where you have millionaires on one side betting millions of dollars they're going to win versus millionaires on the other side betting millions of dollars that they're going to win like i don't see the negative in the sport for that like being able to have a world series dodgers versus yankees and you see garrett cole put up 20 million dollars because the yankees were underdogs and then cody bellinger put up eight million dollars because you know they were favorites like that would just i think that would be cool for the sport you know yeah. like that like like fans fans bet every single day on these games you know like I get, I get it. If you're betting against your team, like right. it's, very, it's, it's hard to throw a game by one person by themselves anyway, but I get how that can jeopardize the integrity of the sport. But to say someone can't get in because they're betting, you know, for themselves yeah. to do good when, you know, everyone's doing that daily anyway, 
I don't see, I don't see how Pete Rose is even, I don't even know how that's even a discussion that just blows my mind. I don't understand it. Yeah, no, it's, 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 I completely agree. I think we're all in agreement on this and I think those guys should get in. Um, and, and now, unfortunately, you'll go to a veterans committee at some point. Uh, Ray, can, other... I ask, can I ask a quick baseball question real quick? Yeah. Uh, Kevin, I have to ask you this because Ray and I talked about this. For those of you who don't, don't know, again, uh, in 2020, the entire minor league se- season was canceled, the whole thing. Um, and, Kevin, that's where you resided at the time. Um, and we talked a lot about it on this show, how we felt so bad for minor league players at the time because, you know, what do you do? So I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you, what did you do? during that lost season, obviously enough to get yourself to the blue Jays last season. So what was that even like as as an athlete that your whole season just disappears like that? Yeah. I mean, I think, I think you need some backstory just from, from my perspective. So 2018, I had probably the the best year of my life going into 2020. So 2018, um, I blew up every, I just blew up the charts and everything had a really good year, killed it. Um, went into 2019, just trying to change one thing hitting wise where me and the blue Jays were like, if I could do this, like it would be crazy. Right. So I tried to do it. I tried to tinker a little bit. Didn't work. Had a really bad 2019. So I had like a roller coaster two years where I was drafted. It was, was going to be a decent player blew up, was on every, you know, listing, every prospect rank. And then 2019 just absolutely pummeled and just did terrible for about half a year, just trying something new, trying to be even better, which I've done my whole career. It wasn't, you know, something, if you're going to try to be the best, like you're going to change something that's going to make you suck. And then you're going to change something that's going to make you really good. It's just kind of how it is, right? You got to take the good with the bad. And so, you know, half a year in 2019 was just brutal. And then spending the last half of the year trying to make adjustments to get back to something that you used to have is not easy. Um, and so I finished 2019 decently. Um, the whole year in 2019 was just really bad. So then going into 2020, um, I worked my ass off getting to 2020 being like, all right, now I'm going to show that I'm back to 2018 standards. And so obviously I went to spring training, was having a really good spring training. We got the call that spring training was going to be canceled for, I think it was started at, all right, well, if you want this story, we got the call about COVID. Um, I think it was March, like 15th, 14th or 15th. We had something COVID was hitting the U S um, we might shut down camp for two days. And so a day went by, a day went by. We we're actually paying, we we're actually playing uh, in Bradenton against the, the Pirates. And uh, I was in the bench coming in the second half of the game. And on the fourth inning, we got a call that spring training was canceled. And so we were all sitting on the bench. Um, we got the call that spring training was canceled in the dugout. We were like, cool, we were packing up. And then all of a sudden they're like, no, 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 we're going to finish the game. Like the fans don't know yet. So they pulled all the starters out. We went in, we loved it because we, we got like six innings of ball in a, in a major league spring training game. So we went in and we knew the season was over or we knew spring training was going to be over for like two or three days. So we're like, all right, we might as well ball out. Um, we finished the game. We actually turned a triple play that game. A ball hit off the wall. We turned a triple play at home plate, which was it like blew up the internet. This was right before COVID hit. Um, we got back in the, when the game ended, they announced that spring training was going to be canceled for a few days because of COVID. So everyone was freaking out. We got, we went back home. They told us to hang out for two days and that we'll, we'll get back to normal. Um, I think it was gonna be like Sunday or Monday. Um, the next day, that's how quick COVID like really hit the next day. They said, okay, we're going to be done for at least a week. Um, we're looking into like getting you guys home, bringing you guys back out. We'll kind of see what that looks like. A lot of people have family and stuff that they're like, I'm not going to sit here in Florida if I can go home and see my kids or my wife or whatever. Um, so they're like, we're going to make those arrangements the next day. And the next day was Saturday on Saturday. They canceled it for two weeks on Sunday. 
they sent everybody home. So it was like within three days, it was two days to everyone went home and there was like no end in sight. So we left on Sunday. I was having a great spring training. They said, you know, two to three weeks, we'll be back here. We, I drove across the country to Arizona where um, I ended up working out for the whole time. And it was like, all right, it's gonna be two weeks. And then when two weeks hit, it was another two weeks. And so for me, like during that whole year, um, I was just putting work in because I was like, this has got to be like one of my best years ever if I'm going to come back from this, right? Like, like I, I've gotten written off. Everyone said that 18 was a fluke. Um, it's time to ball out in 2020. And then obviously it dragged on and dragged on and dragged on. And so, you know, that whole year was really, I was grinding and my, my team probably won't like this, but we were pretty, we were essentially in a gym that was locked down and shut down, but we would go in by ourselves to get working, you know, like me and like 10 other guys. And this was like really frowned upon, because COVID was right yep. there. It was like super, <laughs> super real. Right. Um, but we were like, dude, this is like our life. Like, like we don't, as an athlete, you know, like you get like two or three years and that's it. Like if you have a bad year, like you're written off. And once that's attached to your name, like it's not good. So right. we were like, listen, like if COVID happens to us, it happens, but we have like a year to make this happen. So we're either going to do it or we're not. Um, so that was pretty much my COVID. So for three months, we were going in this gym, trying not to be seen by anybody, get as much work in as possible, go home and do it all again the next day. Um, and it actually worked out great because it was like time where nothing else was going on and we had nothing else to focus on. Um, and we put a lot of work in, obviously it paid off 2020, um, from July until October, I was locked in, uh, Rochester, New York, because we were at the alt site. So we were locked in a hotel. We could only go from the hotel to the field to practice back to the hotel. Um, and that was our life for about four months. And then the season ended, we went home had a normal off season. And then obviously, uh, 2021, they might be my debut. Wow. Well, you really made the time count. Uh, I think there's a lesson there, there to say the <laughs> least. I mean, like a lot of, uh, we all remember the moment where you, we kind of, it kind of sank in of like, Oh, th this is not stopping anytime yeah. soon. Right. Um, yeah. many of us are still in that <laughs> mindset, you know what I mean? Yeah. But I think it's amazing that you committed to it and it, 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 it is what you make of it. Right. It's amazing. I just, I had to ask that question because um, you know, it, it was an interesting situation for minor league baseball to say the least. Yeah. Funny enough, I played a lot of baseball during the pandemic too, but it was all MLB the show. It's true. There you go. That's there very you go. true, right? He won several world series. Yes. <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, uh, real quick. I know you guys are, are, are crunched for time, but I, I do, I need to ask, we'd be remiss speaking of one lost season to one that may be truncated or delayed. We are in the beginning, we are in the midst of the uh, MLB lockout right now. Um, there are optimistic talks going on right now. Supposedly there has been progress made talks about, uh, more money for younger players is coming out. Kevin, how do you feel about the lockout? Are you optimistic that we're going to have a, 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 a mo at least a, a majority of a baseball season this year? What do you, what are you, what are your thoughts, uh, going into, going into end of, uh, beginning of February now, almost. Yeah, no, I think I just actually received the official like players union update from the negotiations today. So I haven't read them yet, but um, I try to stay off Twitter and all this stuff, like the amount when you, when you know what's going on behind the scenes in the negotiations, and then you see what's out in the press. It's just mind boggling how, <laughs> how, what happened in the negotiation room can get formed into like a, a 10 word tweet of like how the day went, you know, it's just like, there's so much stuff going on. And um, it's just been fun to kind of learn about all the nuances of, everything that's going on, all the different things that each party wants. I mean, you know, you, you assume it's just like, okay, you're going to pay this much money and then you're going to go and, and the owners are like, all right, we're going to make this much money off ticket sales. And that's pretty much it. And then you get, 
into the nitty gritty of it, there's so much going on and there's so much nuance to these these negotiations and kind of what they control throughout the season or throughout your life as an athlete. So um, I think, I think it will get done. I think like anything else, once money starts being affected, stuff, stuff gets ramped up way quicker, right? Like once everyone's going to start losing money, once games, you know, stop happening, that's when stuff will really pick up. Um, it's kind of sad for the sport that it has to kind of be like that. I wish there was some way to be like, Hey, if we don't get it done by December 1st, then you automatically miss two months of the season. I think something like that could be really beneficial for guys to be like, all right, like, let's get it done out of the way early. If we don't do it, there's still this ramification of missing games. And so I think it could speed up talks a little bit, but to, to kind of be waiting this long, I mean, guys are still ramping up like spring training is going to be on time, you know, which I think we have about a week now, if it's not done within a week, then spring training gets pushed back just because the timing and the supply chain, everything with stuff that has to get there. But um, I think, I don't know. I mean, could we miss games possibly if it comes down to that? I mean, the sad truth is just that, like I said, once you start missing money, that's when everyone goes, oh, maybe we should start actually negotiating and get something done, right? So it's sad that it has to come to that. I hope it doesn't. I hope we can, you know, make a lot of progress in the next five, seven days and everything will be good to go. Um, I know a lot, both sides want a lot of things to get done that just won't get done. Like there's going to have to be some compromises. So um, everything seems to be picking up though, which is good. I mean, they met for two straight days, which has to be a plus. Um, like I said, I haven't read the report yet, but um, the initial like messages that I was getting from guys, at least we're, we're making strides in the right direction. I, I got to turn from geek to nerdy real quick. I've studied collective bargaining. I, I've studied labor negotiations in school. Don't ask me why. But it is, Kevin, just, just to, just to boost what you're saying, it is never what you think it is on the, on the meet. It's just so complicated, so in depth. And it's, it's rarely this side's to blame and this side's not, it just is not that black and white. No. And just um, the whole, yeah. just the whole dealing with the media stuff, like, like what we hear is going on and we're like, why aren't, why aren't we blasting that in the media or like what, you know, like why, or why is this the thing that's getting out? Like, why is this the headline? Like it was talked about for three seconds. And we talked about something else for an hour and a half. Because it's juicy, it. Kevin. You got to get the right. it's, it's so you juicy. To, uh, you got to bring them in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it's, t- it's tough. Man. It's, it's, yeah, it's wait tough till we share this side. interview with people. They're going to, Twitter's going to be all over. Did you hear what he said? He's optimistic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I hope we'll, we'll get something done, man. There's too many guys that like to play baseball, and there's too many people that like to watch it to, to not get a deal done. So hopefully it's sooner than later. The world needs good baseball again. I'm not mm-hmm. talking about play. I'll, I'll leave it at that, Kevin, because I, I know you All can't. Right. I just, we need the MLB to be strong. We need right. that. Lightning round, because I know Fanzo's got to go. Real quick, who do you guys think is winning the Super Bowl? Fanzo, you first. Oh, man. I, I mean, <laughs> the relief that Tom Brady's not going to win it, although, like, the respect I have for the true GOAT and we have the luxury of, of watching him play if he comes back or not comes back, I think it's just mm-hmm. such a, a cool thing. I mean, this past weekend, what might have been like one of the best weekends of NFL playoff Easily. football is yes. 100%. I mean, my 100%. daughters, like my daughters are into it. Like they don't wear purple on Sundays year round because we hate the Ravens. So like my, my daughters are, are legit. They, they, and like my daughter <laughs> the other night, she's like, daddy, I'll do anything to watch this overtime. Like, just like, let me see this. Overtime. Like just to see that Kansas city game. Um, you know, raised I, her I, right, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. I'm, I'm very blessed. The girls are, you know, it's that Pittsburgh blood that kind of runs through. Uh, I, I, Kansas City just feel. I feel like they, you know they get they get hot at the right time. Uh, I mean, the Bills look so good, and I, I think it's kind of like Andy Reid is a great 
like big game coach with this this Kansas City team. So I, yeah, I'm I was gonna say it, with Kansas it, City, he is. Yeah, yeah. As I said with yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, Thanks for reminding hence me. Hence the caveat. I just want to make sure that remind anyone that's from a <laughs> Eagles fan, uh, you know where he. Yes. So yeah. Oh, Kansas City is my team. Who I'll, who I'll put on. Kevin, what do you think? I think it's hard to pick anybody but Kansas City, right? I yeah. mean, the Bills looked really, really good. I think I think the Bills did everything they possibly could to to win that game. I don't. I think. How they played that game, they should have won it, and Kansas City still won. So, I mean, I don't see anybody left even rivaling what Kansas City can do. I mean, the amount of weapons that they have, and then you have Patrick Mahomes leading it, it's it's kind of scary, you know. I mean, I don't think – I was talking to some guys today when we were working out. It was like – it looked like Pat Mahomes had maybe his B-plus game the whole game, and Josh Allen played probably out of his mind, like A-plus-plus, plus, and Mahomes in the end, you know, was just like, okay, like now it's time, now it's time. You know, like, yeah. you're still not going to win. I got 13 so, seconds. Yeah. 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 But yeah, I mean, it's just him, him with all his weapons, man. It's just dangerous. I don't, I don't think anyone can compete with him. I love Joey B though. Like if he can pull it off, if anyone can pull it off is Joey B just because the season that he's had, um, it'd be really cool to see him win it. I mean, I'm going to be rooting for him, but uh, I'm not going to be, not going to be ashamed when Mahomes beats him by 30 and goes on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I mean, shout out to Cincinnati, right? Like, I mean, for all, I mean, yeah, you know, Pittsburgh oh. fan, and so like I enjoy the misery of the entire state of Ohio. Like, any, <laughs> miserable in Ohio, like, you know, I'm okay with that. But like, like watching Cincinnati do what they do, and like, you know, thank you, know, thank goodness, right? Like they just did such a turn, and like, you know, I mean, they're gonna be dangerous for a long, long time, right? I think that is a beautiful aspect. It's also a thing to remember. Like, we didn't know if we would ever have like a Manning Brady. You know, which like right, rivaled right. the old. Dude, this and is we got crazy. it. We got. I mean, like Josh yeah. Allen is in the NFL for how long? Patrick Mahomes is how young, right? Like there is something like beautiful about that. And I will say, as a spoiled Steeler fan of 18 years with Big Ben, I mean, I I bawled my eyes out. You know, the last home game, and like, I mean, I I my first jersey of Big Ben was a Miami Ohio jersey, and my dad wow. joked it was like the first Ohio merchandise that ever entered our house. <laughs> and like, I mean, and, and for me, like, you know, I'm 40 years old. My entire like, you know, fandom of of Pittsburgh sports was like what my dad talked about in the 70s, and then what Big Ben kind of gave to me, and the fact that like we have to start over, and yet you have like the Mahomes and the Josh Allens. This is, I mean, sports and it's a good it's in a good place, and uh, you know, for sure. Yeah, I know it must be tough to to win so often and then not win. You know, I, I know that must be really really hard, fans. Oh, for the fans. <laughs> I was trying to remember our last losing season, and I, I think it was like twenty one years ago. I think as a Steeler fan. Yeah, listen, just this is only city guys. Just remember this: nobody hates Philadelphia sports more than the people of Philadelphia. <laughs> that is just fair. know that. Just know and that. and on that note, um, <laughs> that's a perfect. You would place pick to that note. This. You would yes, pick that. Note. It is the perfect note. Before we go, of course, everybody check out metaathletesnft.com to check out what Meta Athletes is all about. Thank you very much to Kevin Smith and Brian Fanzo. You can of course check out Kevin playing for the Blue Jays, hopefully a lot next year when MLB hopefully comes back and gets this uh, CBA worked out. And of course, you can hear Fanzo uh, NFT three sixty five every day. He's doing a podcast, folks. So check them out, guys. Thank you so much for being here with us on Geeks Who Like Sports. We really, really appreciate it. Sure, man. Thanks for having us on.